Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. This is Henry Lopez, and welcome to this episode of The How of Business. My guest today is Hall Martin. Hall, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, so what we're going to chat about is, you know, is getting the money to fund our business startup is often where a lot of us hit a wall. We, we may not qualify for traditional lending, or we may not have the cash ourselves to fund the business uh, startup. We, we hear about tech companies in particular and other entrepreneurs who use angel investors and venture funding. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, that's often not accessible or we just don't know how to go about seeking that type of funding as an option even for a typical small business owner, uh, at least outside of the tech world, in my experience. So Hall Martin is with me today to share his insights and his experiences, a lot of experiences as himself an angel investor, and how we might leverage, how we might be able to leverage angel investors in particular, and, and what is that to help us start our business you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, and to learn about a bunch of uh, different upcoming workshops, online workshops, and one in-person workshop that I have coming up, please visit thehowabusiness.com. And that's where you'll find the show notes page for this episode, as well as information about all of those upcoming workshops. So Hall Martin is an entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of 10 Capital. 10 Capital helps startups and growth companies everywhere raise venture funding. Uh, Hall launched 10 Capital as the Texas Entrepreneur Networks back in 2009. And today, the firm has over 12,000 investors in its network and has helped raise over $900 million and counting. Hall is involved or has been previously involved in a series of other organizations, including the Baylor Angel Network, Central Texas Angel Network, SKU, which I think is also known as Incubation Station, Accelerate NFC, Texas Open Angel Network, and he hosts also a series of podcasts under the the title of Investor Connect podcast series. Really great podcast. He has one in particular that I think is called the Espresso, the Espresso, I can't remember what it is. What is it called, Hall? Startup Funding Espresso. Yes, yes. And those are short, little episodes, really valuable. I love listening to that that show in particular. Uh, Hall has also served as an adjunct professor for the University of Texas, leading the IP, excuse me, the IDEA to IP program, which fosters startups from the engineering program there at UT. He lives in Austin, Texas. And so once again, Hall Martin, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Henry. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. So you went to UT, right? But first you went to Baylor and got a computer science degree and then an MBA at UT, right? That's right. That's what uh, brought me to Austin. Uh, Got an undergraduate degree in the technical space because I was always a fan of emerging technologies. And at that time, Uh, the PC and things were coming up and knew that that was going to be big and I wanted to be a part of it. So what did you do after college? What was your career initially? So I went to work for a company called National Instruments, and it was a small little company that made test and measurement equipment. And they were just at the beginning of that uh, PC uh, world that was coming up with the IBM PC 
technology. And I started there and uh, ended up staying there for 24 years. Wow. And they, they went public in 1995. And so I was employee number 93. So I started wow. doing angel investing after that. And uh, in Austin, we had an angel network that ran from 95 to about 2002. I joined that group and put money into a deal and uh, lost it and started to realize that angel investing is harder than it looks. Mm. Uh, in reality, I just uh, wasn't doing the right things to be successful at it and started hanging out with people that were good angel investors and started to learn the right way to do angel investing. We didn't have an angel network for about four years. And in 2006, the chamber here in Austin did a restart and they called it the Central Texas Angel Network. And I was the first member to sign up for it. And when you're the first member to sign up for an angel group, <laughs> little known secret, you are automatically on the board in charge of membership. Right. It's a great honor. There's no pay, but it's a great honor. And then after a couple of months, I lost, we lost our director. So I became the director and uh, ran it for the first two years. And I recruited about 50 members, got about five men invested in 20 deals. And we got a 40x return after a number of years from that first group. And that propelled the group onward because that was a, a very good return. Ultimately, that group generated a 571 IRR and a 33x return for the investors in that original group. Uh, and so I thought, this is fun. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so my alma mater, Baylor, came to me and said, well, we want an angel network out of the university. So I said, I'll help you put that together. And I'm still a member of that one today. And then Williamson County, just north of Austin, wanted an angel network. So I put that together as well. So after doing these angel networks, what I saw was all these entrepreneurs having a hard time raising funding because uh, they didn't have the documents prepared and they, they weren't you know, prepared on the pitch and, and almost nobody followed up. It, it just was mind boggling that you come pitch to an investor, walk away and never go back and ask again. Well, why do you think that was the case? Uh, I think people for somehow... Uh, think that fundraising is something different and unique from sales. And I always say fundraising is just another form of selling. You're selling the equity of your business instead of your product. And who, who sells a $100,000 product without going back and following up to close that sale? Uh, nobody. You, you have to go and do it. And for some reason, people think, well, fundraising is different. If I go to them and they like my deal, well, they're going to take care of it. Well, that's not but the is case. Is there a level of intimidation, you think? Because you're like, well, they'll, they'll, they'll call me. I shouldn't call them. I think it's just a lack of experience. Okay. Once you've been around the block once or twice, you realize, oh, you know. it, it takes seven touches to close a sale. So it takes seven touches to close an investor. And they, they just have unrealistic expectations about how fast it will go. But then many startups have unrealistic expectations about many aspects of their business. How long mm -hmm. will it take to build a product, to achieve sales, to grow the business? It's uh, yeah. If they're off by a factor of two, they're, they're doing better than most. So yeah. it, this is no different. What is an angel network? An angel network is a group of high net worth investors that come together to share the deal flow and the due diligence for investing in startups. And the Security Exchange Commission is the one that decides who's what's called an accredited investor. And angel investors are accredited investors. Basically, you have a million dollars in net worth, not counting the house you live in. And you're, you're allowed to invest in startups. And back then, that was the only way you could invest in startups is to be accredited. Today, there's other, other mechanisms to let people get into early stage startups. But back then, that's, that was one way to do it. And it's a little bit different from venture capital. Venture capital is going and raising money from others to create a fund. 
Well, angel investors, for the most part, are just investing their own money into these deals. But as a network, you're pulling that together and jointly making decisions as to what you're going to invest in? Yes. If you act together, you can pull your money. And then if you have more money, you can negotiate better terms. You sure. can get better deals and you can share the diligence that goes with it, which can be a substantial amount of time. Yeah. So did you ever envision this was what you would end up doing and when you were, I don't know, mid-career or towards the end of that career? Well, when I started doing angel investing, I, I you know, I, let me back up. When I was working with the company in yeah. the early days, it was a lot of fun. It was a startup. It was early days. I ended up starting up the European operation, which was yet 12 more startups, one in each country in Europe. And and I always enjoyed the early stage startup portion of it. As the company got big, it got to be less interesting. And so I always knew I was going to be in the early stage world. And then when I started doing angel investing, I said, ah, this is, this is the way to get back to the early stage world is to come and work with them on a day-to-day -day basis on the fundraising aspects. I'd spent 24 years on you know, the technical side and building products to help businesses grow, but now I'm on the financial side. So it was a little bit of a different uh, game, which made it uh, new and interesting in some ways. Mm -hmm. So since you left that corporate position, this is what you've been doing, either associated with various angel networks, doing investments over your own, but this has been your focus since that point in time? That's right. So after I started those three angel groups, I started my own firm under the name Texas Entrepreneurs Network, and we were helping angel groups and investor and companies come together, you know, helping with pitch sessions, and I called it funding as a service. We were basically helping the startup get their documents ready, learn how to pitch, follow up, we are helping the angel investing. How do you become an angel investor? How do you deploy capital? How do you do analysis like valuations and term sheets? And so we've been doing both for uh, since 2009 when we started as Texas Entrepreneurs Network. Back then, we were just focused on Texas startups and Texas angel groups. But I, I, I found I needed more funding. And so I started uh, recruiting venture capital into my network. And uh, back then you went to the Bay Area and you went to New York is pretty much where most of them were and started to tell them about the great deals you had back in Texas. And for the most part, they were excited about that. And then about 2016 and 17, I had a whole bunch of family offices come in wanting to do investments direct as well. So today our network is 12,000 investors, a third are venture capital, a third are angel, and a third are family offices. And, and about that time, I started getting calls from outside of Texas saying, I want access to your angel investor network. And so we renamed the company to 10 Capital. That's what 10 stands for. Mm -hmm. And started doing our program around the country, which was making introductions, running investor relations, helping people get docs together and all, those, all the things we talked about. So is part of it also to help people create their own angel investor network or, or not? We do both. We okay. go into communities and we help them form angel networks, whether it could be out of the university, that's a great place to form an angel network, or to do it in your local uh, ge geography where you might want to uh, beef up your entrepreneurial ecosystem. And then we also work with the startups as well, helping them get their documents ready, help them to pitch, help them meet investors, and then do the follow-up also. All right. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing all of that. Let me ask you this question, Hall. What, today, why are you your own boss? What does it provide for you? Uh, I just have a passion to work with startups and just want to you know, do it in the way I think is going to be most effective. 
And so I really enjoyed working in the big companies uh, for a while, but then found that uh, there was just so many other people you had to convince to do things. And if you're a small group, again, startups are always small groups. Uh, you don't have to spend half your time convincing people this is the right thing to do. You actually spend your time doing the thing in itself. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wanted to be my own bosses was to get back to that world where we can actually go out and see the difference that we're making and, uh, and work in the way that we think was best. Yeah. No limits, nobody else above you deciding what you can or can't go after. Exactly. All right, let's let's uh, dive into then uh, what I'm calling startup funding, but I'm thinking a good place to start. You've touched on it already, but can you further define for us the difference between angel and venture capital? So venture capital is uh, someone that collects funds from other investors, you'll call limited partners, creates a fund and then goes out and makes investments on behalf of those partners. And so basically they're they're using other people's money to fund startups. And because they're baking their salary into it, you know, they need a pretty high return in order to cover the costs of that, such as 10x plus is, is minimum to make a venture capital fund return. Angel investors are uh, credit investors, uh, often high net worth individuals that are making investments, but they're, they're spending their own money. They're investing their own money. And so they're looking for good deals to invest in. They typically don't have as much funds, as many funds available as the VC does. And, but they don't need as high a return either because they haven't baked their salary into their investing. It's just a, something they do on the side or part-time, or some people do it full-time as well, but you, you don't need to have such a high return. And so you can look at a broader range of deals that uh, might be successful uh, from an investment. Mm -hmm. One of the ways I've looked at it and tell me if you think I'm right is, you know, I'm generalizing here, but usually the venture capitalist is looking for that next unicorn, that next home run not as much of a pressure to look for, like you said, that 10x return from an angel investor's perspective. Is that fair? That's right. If you think of a pyramid, there's only a very small number of uh, companies at the top of that pyramid and everybody's in the VC world is vying for it. But as the pyramid broadens, that's where the angels live. And that's where the angels can be successful because they don't need as high a return in order to make it work. Many more companies fit their model. In my experience and understanding as well, Hall, angels are more likely to invest in those earlier startup phases. Not always, but often with venture, they want to see a little bit more proof that there's a, a product there that's selling and some kind of history. Is that, is that accurate? Well, it's true. The VCs want to see more traction there, but there's many VCs that want to see 500K of annual revenue, a million dollars of annual revenue. That's very standard. Angels want to see that you have market and product validation. The product works and people will pay for it. And maybe you sold it to a few people to demonstrate that, but you're just now going into market. And that's where angels live is in the go-to-market phase because you've already developed the product, you've proven it works. And it may not be the final product, but it's a product that's good, good enough to go out and start to uh, build brand and build recognition and start to build your customer base with it. Yeah, that makes sense. So also in my experience, there's, I don't know, for lack of a better term, different types of angel investors. There's the type that you've been describing that come together as a network. And I don't know them necessarily before I pitch them as a potential small business owner. But then this term also gets applied to people that I might know in my network that act as an angel investor, right? 
That's right. You know, you have the the family and friends uh, network that people you know and people that you know that you know that you know, people usually go to first to raise angel funding. And, that, and that's a good thing because as you draw that circle out further, you start to talk to people that don't know you and uh, they're going to wonder, did any of your any of, anybody in your network fund you? And if the answer is yes, well, then that's that's a good positive sign that people that know you are, are backing you at some level. They don't, they don't usually put all the money in, but they put enough that says, yep, we think this is a good deal. And then angel groups are, again, you know, another ring out from that where there are a group of investors who... Uh, start to look a little bit more at the financial or the quantitative side of it. What's the growth rate? What's the acquisition rate? What's the uh, metrics on this deal? And over time, they want to build a relationship, but up front, they don't know you. So they, they're looking at that financial number of that case to see if that's a good deal for them. Mm -hmm. All right. In a moment, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more, ask a little bit more about how how to, to get that, get even get invited to pitch. But are in most of these angel networks, angel investor networks, are they looking as you, I think you already touched on a business that already has at least an MVP under its belt has proven some level of viability, or do you also consider somebody who just has a business plan? Uh, most angels are going to look for an MVP and uh, some, some evidence that people will, will pay for it. Uh, if, if your last two businesses were sold for nine figures each, well then, you know, you don't need the product, just come on in, we'll fund you, no problem. Okay. The reality is there's not very many people that meet that second right, criteria. Right. So plan on building a product. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that that's the question I want to ask is when and why should I consider consider angel investors? And in, in, I guess in the more formal sense to use that term, in other words, I would I might look for an angel investment network, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But let me ask that question then. Why, why have you seen, has it been or can it be beneficial to seek that type of funding for my small business? Well, some small businesses have the potential to become a high growth startup where you need additional capital, but it can grow and scale at a very high level. So for people that have a business that is scalable, if it's online, direct to consumer e-commerce, you know, then you probably have an opportunity to build a scalable business that goes beyond just being a lifestyle business. And so angel money is a good way to start that off. Use some money to build out the technology platform or the business model. And so that that's why you want an angel investor. If you're opening a coffee shop or a donut shop or auto mechanic shop, that's, well, that's not a scalable business. And so it's best just to get a, a, a loan from the family, a promissory note or what have you to uh, start it. And then you just pay people out of the revenue, but it, it's probably not going to scale anytime soon. And so it's not going to attract an angel, certainly not a venture uh, capital investor, probably. That's right. So it's it's got to be a business where that infusion of cash helps me grow, you know, exponentially grow that business to that next level, whether it's because I, I need it for a capital expenditure of some sort, or that infusion of cash now helps me exponentially grow the business. Is that fair? That's, that's a good way to put it, yes. This is Henry Lopez with a brief break from this episode to share a special offer from our show sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Today, many small business owners are busier than ever because they're focused on managing and growing their business. They can't always spend the time they wish they could on recruiting. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. 
I personally like the role templates that help me create an effective job post and the screening questions. They help me save valuable time in determining which candidates I want to schedule an interview with. Get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. And it's easy. Just fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation you need. Then use LinkedIn Jobs as simple tools to filter and prioritize the top candidates you'd like to interview. LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. And your first job post is free. Just visit linkedin.com slash how. Again, that's linkedin.com slash H-O-W to post your first job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Is it always that an angel investor is going to take an equity piece in return for that money? Uh, most of the times the answer is yes, but there's other deal structures that are out there. There's, for example, revenue-based funding where the investor puts in money and instead of getting an equity ownership, they get a piece of uh, top-line revenue, you know, one, two, three percent, and they just get paid out as revenue comes in at the rate of revenue in Big months, it's a big check, and small months, it's a small check, and they keep going till you get to a specified payback period. And so, for example, if you have a family business where we really don't ever plan to sell this business, then selling equity is not a good thing because investors are expecting you to sell the business so they get a return five, five, seven, ten years down the road. And if that's not part of the plan, you want to keep the business. Well, then think about you know selling the the revenue stream that you have coming out. And that's a great way to uh, raise funding as well. And, and I think, as you said, that that would have a period of time for which that applies. Yeah, that's right. It would typically it's on, on a payback rate. You know, if I put in $100,000, I'm going to go till I get 2.5 times my money. So okay. I'm going to get 250 back. And we don't know exactly when that is, but we based on our revenue, we have a pretty good idea when that's going to happen. I see. So then going back to the point you also made, one of the other qualifiers before I'm going to be considered by an angel investor, at least through, you know, unless it's somebody I know, uh, is that there needs to be a clear exit strategy. That's right. Uh, when people come to me wanting to raise funding, that's the first question I ask is, what's the end game here? How are we going to pay the investors back? And if the answer is I plan to sell the business to Google for 10x, okay, well, this is an equity deal. Mm -hmm. The answer is I'm going to gift this business to my grandchildren. Well, then we're on revenue-based funding or income share or some other mechanism that doesn't require equity. So we, we have a way of paying them back. What about promissory notes? So promissory notes, it's a debt instrument. And so if you want to raise debt from somebody, then you use a promissory note. And that just states how much, what interest rate, and what the terms are of it. The other tool we use is what's often called a convertible note. And a convertible note is also a debt instrument, but it's intending to convert to equity later. And we use that when we work with early stage companies, and we don't have enough information to, uh, you know, know what the valuation is going to be. We, right. we can't figure out who's going to own what up front. And so convertible note says, well, you'll have a debt position here. And then when this note matures, 
if we if we have any following funding, we'll we'll use that as evaluation. If not, we'll have a valuation cap and we'll convert to equity later. When we have more information, this will be a lot easier to figure out. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of convertible notes or what also is called safe notes for doing funding in early stage companies. But what it does is it gets us out of having to figure out all the terms that come with an equity term sheet and the key one being the valuation, which determines how much ownership the investor gets. Okay. And, and if, if I'm looking for potentially these alternative deal structures, that is something I might go to an angel network and pitch that as what I'm looking for. Is that, is that correct? That's right. You, you go to the angel network saying, I'm raising funding. Here's my business. Here's what we've done before. Here's why we'll be successful. Who wants to be a part of the, the, of the great ride? All right. As I was doing the research, I, I came across something on your website, or it might've been a podcast. I don't know, but you call it early exit deal structure. What is that? So one of the things I found as an angel investor is that out of 10 deals, and this is true across all the angel groups I've, I've ever talked to, one out of 10 deals will be a 10x home run. One out of 10 deals is going to go under, they will declare bankruptcy. Two or three are going to have a one to three X return for the investor. And the other five are going to turn into lifestyle businesses, which means they're going to go up a ways and then they're going to start going sideways. And they're not going to continue to grow, not going to continue to raise funding. They're not going to be a big equity exit for the investor. And if you're in the deal, and most are in the deal under an equity term sheet, uh, you might get a little bit of money 10 years later, but you're, you're really not going to get paid back. And I've been in a couple of those deals where, hey, this is great. Come join us for the ride to the moon. And three years later, well, it's not quite the rocket we thought it was. It's a nice business for us, but as an investor, I'm sorry, we don't have anything for you. Mm -hmm. And so I came up with this term sheet called the early exit term sheet. Because what I found is at year three is when you start to figure out which way this is going to go. It's going to go on up to be a big equity exit or it's not. And so I, I used a convertible note that we talked about before, and I put a redemption right at year three in there at investor sole discretion that says the investor at year three gets the choice of either taking 3x their investment back. I put in 100K, I get 300 back. Or I forego that and I go on the cap table. That's the list of all the equity owners. And I'm now an equity position uh, for the rest of the time. And what, I, what it does is it, it sets the price for which I can now get out of the deal. And that's one reason why a lot of people don't engage in angel investing is that you're in the deal for a long time. It's illiquid. And what you're trying to do is if it's a home run, just be patient, you'll get paid out. But when it becomes clear this is not going to be a home run, well, most people just write it off. They just say, well, that's just a zero. But what I found is when it's your money, you know, as an angel investor or family office, wealth preservation is a factor. And what I really want to do is get my money back and maybe a little bit of a gain. It won't be a home run, but I'll get out of the deal. And the price is now figured out. If you ever wait till after you sign the check to try to figure that out, you'll find that very hard to do because the entrepreneur and the investor are very far apart on what the value of that early exit is going to be. So it's just simply a, a, a way of giving the company three years to grow the business, all the money's kept in, everything's there. But at year three, you know, the investor has a choice of staying in or going out. And yeah. so it's like a call or a, or a buy agreed upon buyout price that I have to pay you as the angel investor at that point in time at your option. 
That's right. And now many stars will look at that and say, well, oh, that'd, that'd be a terrible deal. Yeah, why would I take that? Yeah. Right. And here's why you take that as a startup. If you're in a very fast growing business, and this is now growing uh, to be a very large company, and there is a good group that want to buy you, uh, the entrepreneurs are hoping upon hope that the investors will take their 3x and go away and the entrepreneur gets the equity back because now the equity is worth a lot more than just 3x the initial investment is worth 5x or 10x and it may take some time to get there but they want that equity back mm -hmm. so for as many entrepreneurs as i have hoping the investor stays in i have an equal number that are hoping the investor goes out yeah but of course and, if you sniff wind of that you're not going to take that option right you're going to keep your equity as the angel investor in, in most cases, that's true. Some people are in a financial place where they just need the money back. For got, it, reasons. got it. And I so see. you never know what, what the future brings. Mm -hmm. All right. Help me start to understand how I go about finding a potential angel investor or angel investing network. And then we'll talk about how do I even get in the door to pitch my business. Well, you know, the angel networks are pretty easy to find. You just do a Google search of your area or your sector. I'm in Texas. I Google Texas angel networks and up come all the list of angel groups. There's 19 of them here in Texas. If I'm really want to go more by sector, I want angel groups that are focused on fintech or life science. Same thing. I just Google angel group life science and we see what names pop up. There's many lists out there as well. And the trade organization is called the Angel Capital Association. Uh, if you go to that website, you'll see a list of all the angel groups that are a member of which most in the US are. The key thing to remember about angel groups is that for all the accredited investors in the US, angel groups only represent about less than 3% of all angels. Wow. So 97 other 97% of the rest of them are not associated with a group. Right. And you find them through informal networking associates and so forth. Yeah. So let me just talk about that a little bit more. It's such a great point. What, what are your tips and advice on how I start to ask for that in either in the networking groups I'm involved in or, or whatever, what, how, what have you found to be effective to find those people? Yeah, number one, you start with your network. You ask for friends who know other friends that are angel investors interested in startup investing. And so you use a friend of a friend to, when you find these investors, you talk to them and then you get referrals from those investors to other investors because investors know each other. So you can do the networking thing. And then if you look, you'll find that there are incubators, accelerators where angel groups are hanging around. There's mm -hmm. business plan competitions where angels are often uh, coaches and mentors so if your university has a business plan competition, chances are 90% of the people on those panels are angel investors. So you start hanging out where the angel investors hang out. And that's where they usually do is at the intersection of startups looking for funding. Yeah. Yeah. Great tips. All right. So let's say I had come to 10 capital. What, what's the process to be invited to pitch? So in our program, we, look at your deck and we look at your company and we, we assess, you know, would you be successful in going to the angel world? If, if we think that's a fit, we onboard. So that's through an application that I submit for that consideration. That's right. And basically it's your pitch deck. We, you know, in our application, we just say, send us your pitch deck and let's look at that. And you, you know, we see here, is the documents ready? Is this business ready? Is this team ready? These are the things we're asking. And if the answer is yes, that's great. Most people come to us, they've already raised money from their, 
network, their family and friends. The deck is usually put together well, and so they uh, they look like they're they're ready. We do get people coming in from time to time where it's really nothing more than an idea, and so we we give them a set of education tools. Go work on these things and come back when you're ready. But most people, you know, if they're ready, and we think that the angels would be uh, interested because they are looking for, you know, you know. A, a product with some real revenue behind it, maybe some traction, you know, they've got some good value values built into the business already. It's not just an idea. Then, then we say, yeah, come on in and let's uh, start to introduce you to our network. And we do that through email and through online uh, forums, such as clubhouse and zoom calls and other, other mechanisms. So they get to meet investors. That initial pitch deck that I'm submitting, can you share a couple of things that you're looking for in there? So number one is, do you have a clear statement of the problem you're trying to solve? Is Are you solving a, a, a real problem or is it just a minor inconvenience? Because in the end, people have to pay for it and they pay for, to kill pain, not to just grow strong on vitamins. And so you have to look for a real pain point that is being solved. And then number two, we look for the, the revenue model. Is it recurring? Is there a platform-based business here? Is there some level of scalability that we think would come into it to make it exciting? Uh, number three, we look for capital efficiency. Are we doing things that we can grow the business without having to raise a huge amount of capital to go forward? And then we also look for, you know, this is a large market. It's not just a very narrow market. It's a very big market that we can go after. And those are the things that we're looking for, you know, traction inside that market with a product that is solving a real problem, I guess, is the summary. Yeah. And so that's what you're looking in the pitch deck. Those are the questions that you're asking and looking for as it progresses through the process. So I get it. I, if I pass that first level of, yep, this is worth sharing with uh, the network, there's questions that are going on. There's uh, different interviews. Is there a formal then pitching of the idea or, or the business rather to a group of angels? So we work with angel groups and we go to them and we go through their process and we do pitch to groups of angel investors. We also have with online tools with Zoom, you can actually be very effective at pitching in uh, small groups where there's maybe two, three investors on the other side of that Zoom screen and you're pitching through that means. The uh, network just facilitates access to those smaller groups that you're going to get me on their radar. Is that correct? That's right. We, we're going to uh, present that uh, information to our investors, those who express interest. We share that with the uh, company saying, these are the people that are expressing interest. And then we're lining up calls with them so that okay. we can pitch to them. Got it. Uh, and they, when it gets to that point, they're looking for the same things you just articulated that you're looking for in the pitch deck, I'm assuming. That's right. Those are the things we're looking for. What, what is this one about? And is this exciting me? Do I believe in the thesis? And ultimately, do I believe in the team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the team is so important. I, one last question, then, as we start to summarize here, when you, you talked about that three-year mark at which you usually figure out where is this business going to go, are, are there some common things that, that you have seen that come into play that impact that? In other words, which way a business is going to go? Uh, well, some of the factors that come up is number one, competition. Okay. Some people come in, they got a great deal, but it mm -hmm. turns out a lot of people have a great deal. 
And in the end, the only the best of the best are going to raise that next round of funding or win the majority of the customers and not everybody else is going to. So competition is one factor that can come up and change the, the trajectory of a startup. Yeah. Uh, and then number two, the markets change. You know, what was hot three years ago is not necessarily hot today. Markets come and go. Uh interest, you know, waxes and wanes. And so sometimes the investors are hot this year, but three years from now, they're, they're onto something else and you're not getting as much interest as you used to. And that's, that's part of it also. And then number three is execution. Yeah. Some people come in and it's a great execution. They hit it out of the park. It's going great. Others did not quite execute to the same level. And so much of angel investing and startup funding focuses on execution. How well do you get it done? Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking was going to be a critical part of it. And you know, you don't know, right, where where that team is going to go or who leaves the team and, and all those kind of factors that play into how well you end up executing or not. That's right. There's just too many exogenous factors. It's if there was a simple formula, everyone would be doing it, but <laughs> it is not a simple formula. I imagine not. All right. What have we not talked about as it relates to 10 Capital in particular? I know there's a bunch of educational content on the website. So tell me more about 10 Capital and those opportunities to learn more on your website. Sure. So we've been curating uh, programs and content for over 10 years, and we put them in the form of e-guides and blog posts. And if you go to the 10 Capital website, 10capital.group, there's no.com on that. You'll find there's an education page. And if you go to it, you'll see more than a dozen e-guides up there and more than a hundred uh, blog posts on different topics around raising funding or investing in startups. And we have both. And we have a, a startup funding espresso series, which in the time it takes to drink an espresso, you can learn about startup funding. And it's a two minute podcast and you get access to those as well. It's a daily uh uh, email that comes out that teaches you something every day about startup funding and investing. So for those who are new to it, it's a great way to learn because you get a little yeah. bit of a, a bite of information every day about it. Absolutely. And what's the website? Uh, so for the Startup Funding Espresso, it's my podcast site called InvestorConnect.org. InvestorConnect.org is our podcast site. And there, there's a box that pops up that says, would you like to sign up for the Startup Funding Espresso? And you basically subscribe to it and you can either listen to it or read it every day. And it gives you an email in your inbox. And we cover topics like how to pitch, how to raise funding from family and friends, how to negotiate term sheets and many others. Wonderful. Hall, is there a, a book that uh, comes to mind that you would recommend? My favorite book, and it's a little bit dated now, is you know, you know, the The Entrepreneur by Peter Drucker. Uh, actually, anything by Peter Drucker, I would recommend because I always found he was very clear in his thoughts and his thinking. And I find his comments are as appropriate today as they were 10, 15 years ago when I first started reading it. So I always recommend Peter Drucker as my favorite author. Wonderful. Thank you for that recommendation. All right, let's summarize it. What's one thing, Hall, that you want us to take away from this conversation? If I'm if I'm a, a business, a small business owner in that launch phase, startup phase, rather, and I and why should I consider perhaps angel investor? What, what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had on this topic? Uh, raising funding is not easy, but it is worth it. In many startups. You're, you, must, you must raise funding to achieve your goal. And if that's the case, then angel investing is a uh, option you should uh, explore very well. 
I think that for a lot of us, uh, for certainly first time and not in anywhere related to Silicon Valley, is it's an intimidating thing to even consider. It's a different world. It can have a different language and terminology. The rules are a little different than what most people may have learned in their day job or in other aspects of uh, investing. You know, some things are the same. You know, you always look at the team. Team is is the critical thing. But you're you're dealing with as an investor very little information about the startup. There's just not a lot of data there like there is in the big company world. So it's you're starting to look at you know team capabilities, quality of the intellectual property. Uh, positioning in the market. You're looking at a lot of other factors to try to figure out if this is going to be a successful thing. And then from the startup side, you know, typically it's, it's their first startup. And so there's many things to learn about starting and running a business. How do you organize yourself? How do you, uh, you know, structure it? Uh, how do you go to market? How do you build a product? There's many, many, many choices. There's a dozen choices every day you have to make and and you have to live with them for a long time in many cases. And so you have to make the right ones. And so it's, it's, a, it's a learning process in a, in a, in a, in a big way, you know, capital L E A R N A G. So you have to be someone that's very open to coaching. And, and if you surround yourself with other startup founders or people that are in the startup world, you'll find that that's a tremendous resource. They can, they can save you time by just telling you what, the answer is or where to go find the answer or what it's going to take. I, I find most startup uh, uh, founders, uh, their expectation is off on just about everything by 2x. <laughs> uh, time it takes to build a product, time it takes right. to grow the market, time it takes to raise funding. It's, 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 it's so much more that has to go on there. And then you're, you're dealing with other people who have other things to do. And, and so there's you can only go so fast through that process anyway. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge, but the, the counter to that is you're also building relationships that will last a lifetime. You're also building a business that can last a lifetime. So in many cases, you may think this is just a small startup, but most startups that grow and succeed turn out to be lasting institutions that go on for decades. And so think about you're, you're building something for the long haul. So it's worth putting the time in to build it right. Yeah. Great points. Thanks for sharing all of that. Right, tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. You can find out more about uh, our company, 10 Capital, at 10capital.group.group. And if you want to listen to our Startup Funding Espresso, go to investorconnect.org, investorconnect.org. And those are our two sites. The branding's the same. So if you see the same wheel, you're in the right place. Wonderful. Hall, insightful and enlightening conversation. Thanks so, so much for taking the time to be with me and answering all of my questions. Thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today, again, was Hall Martin. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts or at our website, thehowofbusiness.com, which is where you can also find our series of upcoming workshops. So thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.